Hello. Good morning, um, saints. It's it's wonderful to be here in the house of the Lord this morning. Am I turned on? Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, can you turn me up, Scott, a little bit? Turn me up. Beam me up. That Now, that I would not mind. One bit. <laughs> um, it's good to be here. And, and I do welcome all of those that are joining with us from near and afar, um, listening via archive. We bless you. We love you. We are very thankful for you, for your stance, where you are, and being fruitful where you are. And you are as much a part of this body as everyone sitting in this room. And so we bless you today. So... Today we're going to, I gave you two sheets, and, and the teaching today is going to be the one entitled Heaven's Knife. And after I sent it to Scott, I thought, you know, I really should have entitled this something a little bit more positive, <laughs> because it really is about supply. You know, we're going to talk uh, a lot about supply, and yet the process for that involves the purging and involves um, the purifying. And so yesterday afternoon or last night I thought that was a very appropriate title but um, just to to give you a little bit of a background you know so much of the time when we are called upon to teach you know you you draw from we do and we teach so we draw from experience we draw from just our own personal moving in the spirit but also gleaning the movement of the body in the spirit um, from a prophetic standpoint that is always something that I um, pursue as far as understanding and and release and so this really does speak for me personally but also from a corporate standpoint and when I say corporate I mean as a church as a network as the body um, where I feel like this season where 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 I feel like I have been and where I feel we as a body have been in a lot of ways. And I say that to say that the Lord has been dealing with my heart. And, you know, it's been a, just an absolutely glorious season, it is, but it's also been one of the most painful because um, there's been a lot of refinements in the places of my heart, you know, the deep crevices of my heart where I didn't even realize that there was things that still could react, still could respond through iniquity or through anything that would keep me from flowing in the fullness of his spirit. And, um, and so, you know, I, I felt like this was something that I was living, and I was very sensitive. I've been very sensitive to it. Because I know you feel the same way. I want to be whole, and I want to be perfected before the Lord so that anything that comes or anything that's required of us, we are ready. I, you know, I don't want to be that one that's offended in that day, <laughs> that misses, or that is not flowing in the fullness of what he has for us. And so there's been so much learning and um, walking in surrender in ways that, you know, 20 years later, in a year of grace, I didn't even really know was required, expected, or really something that was necessary, but it has been. And so, having lived it, still there, because I want my heart always to be soft before the Lord. I never want to close that door for him to touch it, to cut it, to purify it, to purge it. I want to keep it open, and I think it is a continual cycle for us. I think as long as we are alive, we will continue to be perfected in the ways of God. That is just a spiritual principle. It doesn't matter how many great victories we enjoy, how many modes of fruitfulness we experience through his power, through his spirit. Every new season requires fresh measures of cleansing. And that is a spiritual principle that we've learned about just through studying about um, what we're going to talk about today. And so here we are. It's been prophesied. It's been spoken from this very place about where we are as a people and the new things that are coming. We are, in a, we are really on the precipice 
of, of many, many doors being open and stepping into new horizons, and, and that is wonderful. But with every moment of transition, with every promise of transition, God gives to us new measures of responsibility and new measures of authority. And along with that requires the subsequent purifying so that we are ready to handle the power, that we are ready to handle the authority. And, um, and so that's really where I felt like where we have been. And then one day I was here in prayer, prayer, and the Lord just dropped Matthew 5, 8 into my heart and said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I, you know, I realized that vision, we are trees of righteousness planted by the Lord, created and put on this earth to bear fruit, to bring life. Righteousness is, <laughs> is our calling card. Righteousness is really what we walk, right? Righteousness is all about seeing God. It's all about vision. It's all about having our eyes open to be able to see and to believe, to aman, to be positioned at that right hand and to, to move in the authority and power that he called for us to do because we understand that righteousness literally means to see or to demonstrate something, his vision, right? And so I, 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 I hearken back to Abraham in Genesis 15 when that whole, you know, Yahweh, he, the word of Yahweh came to him and told him to look towards heaven. And, and you know, it is that whole experience with him where his inheritance and really the inheritance of who we are as people was issued through Yahweh through vision, through seeing what God's plan is because righteousness is restoration and it's him showing us his plan it's him showing us his vision and through faith us walking that out in partnership with bringing restoration to the earth but we know that the framework for that righteous vision is is relationship between him and his sons and that relationship between him and his sons requires our heart being surrendered to the process to the purifying to the place where we can truly carry that power, can truly carry that point of authority. Are you with me? Are you with me? So I gave you two sheets. The second sheet is, is the sheet that says optonomy or optonomy. And that is another teaching that I did yesterday, another teaching, another study that I did yesterday afternoon. I know that has been taught on. I think I've even taught on it before. But it is a tremendous study. Because if you'll just scan, and I want you to take that with you, and I want you to read through those verses at some point in time and see the power of, 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 of what this seeing God truly means. Because when we see God, we see God. We are looking straight into light, straight into the fullness of who he is. His plan, his heart, every point of supply that is within him, we can see that. But not only that, we want to be as Jesus. We want to do what we see our Father in heaven doing. So we don't want anything to obstruct our vision, our seeing God, our seeing our Father. Because I'm telling you, the, narrow, the road is getting more narrow. And, and the propensity for the antithesis of purity or the unclean spirit, which we'll talk about in a little while, it is always going to be there. It's like the little fox that spoils vine, right? And so when I, I look at this season, and I, I, I think about us as a body, and, and we've all lived this, and we are living it, and, and, you know, coming into intercession together in unity and feeling, it's, it's crazy because it's like you feel the glory of the Lord. You feel his heart, but at the same time, you feel this absolute um, desperation for his supply. His supply, the supply of his spirit to pour into us, to flow through us so that we can flow through in power and see change. That's what I've sensed for months. 
And so in the pressing for supply, that's a really real thing. We've talked a lot about supply over the last couple of months. But in the midst of this season, as a people, we have had to contend with so many influences that have attempted to block what God is trying to do. Now, are they obvious? No. Have they been spoken of? Yes, vaguely. But they are things that hit us in the heart. Because <laughs> it's part of the branches. You know, if we are God's vineyard, and he is the vine, and we are the branches, some of the branches are being taken away, are being removed, or are being purged. And you know what that has hit? That has hit our emotions. It hurts. Are you all following me? It does. It hurts. It, it causes us to want to react. And it also brings a measure of rejection. All those things that we have lived over and over again, it has been vividly lived over this last season. And those emotions, those feelings of rejection that cause us to want to, or that, that really are geared towards hindering the supply, it's textbook unclean spirit. It is, because it's hitting in the heart, and it's hitting in the emotions, and it's hitting in the iniquity that's still within us that causes us to want to rise up and react. And so what has God required of us to submit those, to surrender those, to lay those down and say, Lord, have your way. Whatever you want to take away, take away. We embrace who we are as a people, and it's okay, because it's your, it's your hand that's doing it. And so all of that reflection led me to this. <laughs> and, and I have to say that this is not a new study. This is um, more a, a reminder to us of how important it is to, to be aware and to be submitted to the process of the Lord because great things are ahead for every single one of us. Great things are ahead. And I don't know about you, <laughs> but I want to make sure that I am ready. Don't you? I do. I don't want to let anything hinder in me, hinder the supply of what is to come through this body. Or even through me personally, before the Lord. And so this whole teaching, this whole hour, is just about acknowledging through Scripture in so many ways, where God is bringing us and, and, and really his process that he's had us in so that we are made clean, so that we are flowing fully in who he is, and so that we will see him and all of his glory, his plan, his heart. Amen? Amen. Are you with me? Okay. So blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Katharos or katharos is the way it's pronounced in the Greek, and it literally means to be clean or to be pure, okay? Um, and then optanomai is, is this word that means, it's not just to look, it means to gaze as with wide eyes open as at something remarkable. And I just want to ask you, when was the last time you saw God? I was thinking about this this morning when I was getting ready for church. I was thinking, you know, I was just trying to remember the last time that I could say that I saw God. Well, we walk in the Spirit, right? And so his kingdom is all around us. So I can look at Nancy over there and I can say, I see God in you. <laughs> but to see God, to gaze at him with, you know, as if you were gazing at something with your eyes wide open, knowing that you were looking at something magnificent because it is him and it is his plan and that is the vision that he is giving us. But the process of that is the purification process that requires that we surrender to, to him and that we truly seek him with our whole heart. You know, he says, 
They that seek me will find me when they search with for me with their whole heart. We can't afford to have an incomplete view of God and his plan and what he's doing. That is just not what he has for us. We, that, you know, that's just, that's unfruitful and it's unacceptable. And it leaves us truly deprived of the fullness of what he is giving to us. And so we search with him with our whole heart so that our vision is not impaired, but we see him clearly and in focus so that we go forth and we walk in faith in righteousness to fulfill his eternal plan. And so I gave you that sheet. I want you to, to, to really scan or look at those scriptures and see the promise. I mean, from when the, when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and we see him to Moses standing before the burning bush to any number of those passages, every single one of them is remarkable. And that is the capacity of vision that God wants to give to us. Amen? Let me just scan. The angels. Um, oh, my gosh. The cloven tongues of fire, the Holy Spirit. And then, two, Acts 2, when he pours out his spirit, that our vision is so clear. We must have this. And so, just take that and know that that is a second point of teaching. It's not going to happen, but the Holy Spirit can teach you. You have the passages there. Amen? Amen. So, catharsis. This is the cleansing. This is the purification process that he takes us through so that nothing is hindering the supply of what he's pouring in and through us. And of course, the antithesis of this is the word that we get, unclean spirits. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But it's all about supply. And, and, and you know, more and more, I hearken to the passage that talks about um, his spirit flowing through through us as 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 rivers of living water and and i've really been focused so much on on the power of the spirit and the fullness of the spirit and really tried to open myself up to receive that because to me if you're full of the spirit you're up to here you're not here you're up to here so much so that it is flowing out of you and and um that's what i want amen amen so let's look at this second passage, and we're going to talk about purging for just a minute. Um, it's always a fun topic, but it is something that's very productive and, and necessary for us in this process and in this spiritual principle that we're talking about, because it just is. So here as a people, you know, we're making incredible strides in the kingdom. God's opening up many doors and nations to us, and our intercession is affecting the realm in extraordinary ways. So from the outside, things look pretty good, I think. <laughs> However, we, you know, we, we don't want to be blind to the fact that the enemy is always going to attempt to slow our momentum. However that is. Distractions, anything deceptive. Because that pretty much happens in every scenario of promise breakthrough. If the Bible says that sin crouches at the door, we better be aware when we're approaching the door to go through. Um, and so one thing that we have learned through the study um, and through the study of, of, of John 15 is that in points of success, in points of transition, our Heavenly Father always initiates measures of personal purging. And that is this catharo, which is the verb form of catharos, okay? So you think, you know, why would that happen in points of success? Because he's preparing us for what the, 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 the flow. He's preparing us to be able to handle the flow, to be able to, to be good vessels of that flow and to not let anything impede that from us so that we're functioning fully according to his plan. And so he does. He does his personal purging. And, 
and we've all experienced it I'm there right now um, hallelujah but um, it's necessary and so we're going to look at John 15 and it's such a you know the whole book of John is just so beautiful but um, this has always been a favorite part for me we've used it so many times um, <laughs> in different contexts and in different ways in ministry but for here we're going to look at it from a point of purging so that supply can can truly flow in and through us so John 15 beginning with verse 1 Jesus is talking and he's talking to his disciples whenever he's talking to his disciples he's talking to me and he's talking to you and so he says to us I am the true vine and this really is a summation of our identity and our relationship being one with him and knowing fully he is our absolute source of life and supply he is it the father anointed him and empowered him and and positioned him to be our absolute source of every measure of life and supply and so from there he is the vine we are the branches that supply flows through him and from that it flows through us in a measure of fruitfulness so he's the source of all of our strength he is the source of our grace um, he is the source of our nourishment he is the vine and we are one in him he leads us he teaches us he imparts to us as we need that grace and strength to bear f those fruits of holiness and so then he says my father is the husbandman so the father is overseeing all this God is so good and I love him so much so the father is the vine dresser he's he's the one that cares ah! it always gets me <laughs> He's the one that cares for the vineyard. He's the one that cares for us as a church. I mean, Jesus does too in the Holy Spirit, but I'm just talking, the Father is our husbandman. He's our vine dresser. He's the one that, that, that cares, that nurtures, that trims, that prunes, and that defends us. He is a good father. He loves us, and he feels such a deep interest in our growth, and in our welfare and in the health of our branches and in our supply he cares deeply about that that is what is on his heart and he appointed his son to be the source of all of our blessings and all of our supplies but he takes care of the branches for all of those that are united and one with the son our father takes care of us in that way and he feels the deepest interest towards, towards us and towards his church. So when we talk about the vineyard, when we talk about this, it touches us individually before the Lord, but it also touches us as a body because we are one. We are one with him. And I have learned and I have grown and, and, and really have come to walk in the revelation that anything that God is doing in and through me is not just for me it's not about me it's about me being part of every joint supplying and it's about me being before the Lord on behalf of what he's doing in this body we are connected we are one we are his body that supply flows through us as his body so what he does in and through me affects what happens in the body whether or not I surrender to it and allow it to happen can affect the flow of this body and it's the same with you so that's why it's so important that every one of us are before him and with our hearts open saying Lord prune me where you need to prune me because if I react in the midst of the body in a strategic moment I could stop the whole entire flow now the Holy Spirit is in control but you know you hear what I'm saying I probably only stop it for myself I don't have that much power <laughs> but you know what I'm saying it's like we just have to be very very careful and I am just totally like revisiting these principles that we learned many many years ago but nonetheless they still apply and they still hit they still touch and they still affect us and so he is our father he is the <laughs> his heart for us is filled with great concern for us that we would receive the supply and the blessing and that we would be fruitful that we would be 
obedient to to pour out and to produce what he has called and commissioned us to do to produce it it is so important to him so much so when that when that's being hindered or, or suppressed he just might remove it he just might cut it off and we have to be okay with that amen and so he says every branch in me so that literally speaks of our oneness with him in all things relationship identity function purpose every trial every victory one with him every branch in me that bears not fruit he takes away he knows what's going on in his vineyard he knows what's going on in his church he knows what's going on in this body it is a great concern to him that we would be supplied and that we would bear fruit and he is going to make sure that that happens no matter how it hurts when he takes away because he has a plan and his plan is perfectly aligned with his divine purpose from the foundation and anything that is not aligned with that with that righteous vision for us as who we are as a people as saints and what he's called and commissioned us to do anything that's going to hinder that flow he will take away he will remove it so he takes away removes every branch that is dead or that is not bearing fruit you know and the crazy thing about it is I realize this involves Christians <laughs> I mean we talk about being saints guys it is not we we are I'm not saying we're elite. However, the scripture says that. So it's okay, right? I'm saying the Father's serious about our calling. He's serious about our identity. You have said yes to this calling, this saintly calling. And it is a calling of holiness, of sanctification, of being set apart unto him to do exactly what he has created and called us to do there is no deviation from that there's just not and so you know I just I feel the gravity of this in his heart for us as a people and you know we can dance around it to not offend but he's gonna prune and he's gonna remove and he's lobbed off a couple of branches in this season or in the process and it hurts and it's hard because it, it touches our heart and it causes to, us to feel rejection and 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 you know all these different things all these different emotions that really can stem from iniquity and if those things are not laid on the altar if those things are not submitted to him to be pruned and to be purified it'll get us because that's the very thing the unclean spirits come to do that they target to come to hinder or block the flow of what God's doing here. And you know what? We have contended with this for months now. And, and I, the beauty of it is that it has been spoken by our apostle that there is a breakthrough. There is breakthrough. And you, we can finally, like, breathe a little bit. But nonetheless, this cycle will repeat itself because it is just the way that it is when you walk with the Lord, when you walk in his victory, in his triumph, in dominion. So just thank the Lord he hasn't called us all to be circumcised. That's a joke. <laughs> like outside, in a tent or something. I mean, I, yeah. Nobody laughed, but that's okay. Did you really? Yes. Well, the heart he has. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I just was like, I don't know what you're talking about. yeah but I was just talking literally because I always think about Joshua and, oh, you know, he takes him into the promised land. The first place he takes him is over there to that play Gilgal to be cut. And I'm like, that was kind of mean. <laughs> but it was necessary. It was the Father's plan. It was necessary for them to step into the new thing that God has. And the, that's the beauty of this whole principle is that God speaking this says to us that we are stepping into new things 
We are stepping into new things. A couple of weeks ago, we were in the sanctuary and during worship, and the Lord so clearly spoke to me, I am doing a new thing. And, you know, that, that phrase can be so overused and so, of course you are. But it was real for me. It was like I grabbed onto that with everything that I had, and I said, yes, Lord, you are doing a new thing. And he's doing so many new things. So, of course, we're going through this. Because it is our preparation and it is our assurance that we will succeed in the new thing, that we will triumph in the new thing. Amen? Okay. So he takes away those that, that which is not, um, that is not bearing fruit. And then every branch that bears fruit, he purges. That's always been a fun one to accept. <laughs> And, you know, we have lived this. So we're bearing fruit. And he, 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 our Father, he prunes those places, or he purges those places. He cleanses those places that are bearing fruit. Now, we understand the, the principle of, um, of pruning the vine. And it literally is the intentional wounding of a plant to help cultivate its health, its usefulness, and its beauty. And that's pretty much what is done, but it's, it's done to minimize the short-term harm and maximize the long-term benefit to the plant. And it's the same for us spiritually. He does this. He clips away even the fruitful places, um, really to minimize any potential harm here in the short term, but to also maximize the fruitfulness that is to come forth in the long term. And, and you know, Pruning is only done when it's necessary, and it is always according to the established timing and plan. And, and it is the same with the Father. Literally, God the Father, his perfect eye, surveys the places with his eye towards that catharos to discern where we need to be pruned and where unclean influences could attempt to take advantage of the supply of the fruitfulness. Okay, so this is all according to his eye, his eternal plan. Um, and he does it by a take, taking away what opposes our usefulness, our fruitfulness. However much that we may be attached or however painful it might be to part, he still does it. Things that are beautiful things that are too large, because the too large will shade the others from the light. So in his divine plan, in his divine mind, he knows exactly what he's doing because he is the ultimate vine dresser. Sometimes it's people. Sometimes it's things, property, children, idols. Any object that would bind our affections and render us inactive in his flow. And he prunes so that new life can come. If we are not pruned, new life cannot come. So he takes away things that we may be dependent on and really causing us to bring, hum you know, brings humility to our hearts and, and really draws us closer to him if we're surrendered to it. So the fruit can become the object of our devotion and we can invest ourselves into it with great effectiveness. We can easily become enamored with the fruit of our labors, forgetting the love and romance which brought life to it. That's a quote that I pulled out of Pastor's book on, I think, unclean spirits. Fruitfulness and success can be gr a greater foe than the forces which initially, initially opposed the process which yielded them. And without a full measure of heartfelt pursuit for God, we might grow as a branch without bearing new fruit. And then we know, did I give you the passage, Mark 4, 18 through 19? Is that on your sheet? Okay, I'm going to read it. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, which is apathy, and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. So these are just, you know, things that, that 
hinder us, that create um, that blockage for us, cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches or apathy, and then lust of things that will come in and choke the world, the word. And so, he purges them. And, you know, I've been feeling this. I've been feeling this personally. I've been feeling this as a body. And my only reaction can be, Lord, into thy hand. <laughs> because I know his perfect will for us. I know his heart for us as a people. And I know his intention for us is perfection. His perfection for us. We're not perfect people. We never will be. But that perfect flow of supply, because we are vessels of his spirit, that nothing as a body, nothing any of you individually could be allowed in there that would block that flow. And, and we just have to be aware of this. And so then Jesus says, and I love this, he says, now you are clean, or katharo, which is another derivative of this word, through the logos which I have spoken to you. And that's the beauty of it, is that his logos, his eternal word, you know, when we see him and we know him, he speaks his logos word over us. And that is, a, that is words of, of agape, of life, of supply, of vitality. It is, it is his words to us of enduring purpose. And those words cleanse us if we receive them. Amen. They serve to liberate the free flow of the purity in our lives and the purity of us as a people. And, you know, is this body not, is this ministry not based on logos? You better believe it. <laughs> and the rhema, but... So when, when, when God speaks words of our eternal purpose, his logos word over us, it declares that everlasting pathway of the purity in him. And remember, logos is not only the spoken word, but it's the idea and the thought behind the spoken word. His idea and thought behind the spoken word. It's the vision, the plan, and the wisdom that inspire it all through him. And so when he speaks that logos over us to bring cleansing, it's the word that has the power to change and to create and to transform us. <laughs> He's just so good. And, and he speaks that over us. And, and, and from that, through his, his, his Holy Spirit, we are, you know, we surrender to that, we submit to that, and we let those words bring life and vitality and, and bring change to who we are. And um, yeah, it's just good, transform us. And then the last thing I'm gonna say in this passage is he says, without me, you can do nothing. I'm gonna say that again. Without him, we can do nothing. <laughs> he said that to us. Without him, we can do nothing. And this word without, is this word chorus, and it means to separate or be apart from, okay? And the expression literally means to separate from me. So separated from him, we can do nothing. But the beauty for us as a people is that we are sanctified. We are set apart unto him. We are called unto him. We are one with him. So through him, with God, we can do all things, right? And so our dependence is on him, though. He is our source of life in every way. And he is supplying us with that life. But in the meantime, in the process, he's also, you know, got that catheter. And he's purifying what's inside. Let's talk just a minute about the spirit that's within you, okay? You know, the spirit just doesn't dwell within us but it acts in us and, and through us. It acts in us and it through us to bring supply. To partner with him in creative ways and to bring life and to be the vessel of his spirit, the vessel of his supply. 
So if we dwell in him and he dwells in us, then we will bear forth much fruit. We will be that supply because he is the vine and all, all life flows through him and through him even though, even through us as, the, as we bear fruit as the branches. But the fruit is the life. And the magnificence of God in, is giving life in and through us. So he uses us as these ve- vessels, these instruments of his light and of his life. That's what's going on inside of you. That's the spirit that dwells within you. It is never static. It is never dormant. It is living and it is acting within you and it is waiting to get out. (laughs) It is. His life-giving spirit, as we receive it, is to flow in and through us and out of us, out of us, out of us, to bring change, to affect atmospheres, to open doors, to bring depth, (laughs) to change. That's why we're here, and to restore. And that's what's going on inside of you. That's that Holy Spirit that's within you. And so, you know, if I could say anything, I'd say this, just be aware of that, that he created you as a vessel for that purpose. And so that spirit is, is like a river. It's not like a lake. It's like a river that wants to flow through you. And so let's look at this next passage. Um, actually, about the blind. I'm going to skip that one for now, and maybe we'll come back to it. It's good, but I'm going to skip it, and we're going to go on to Acts 18. Acts 18. I love this. And this is the Apostle Paul. After these things, this is chapter 18, verses 1 through 6. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. That's a side note. And came unto them, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, or worked, for by their occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when he was opposed, and when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and said unto them, Your blood be upon your heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. Now, the thing I love about this is, man, yeah, (laughs) they're opposing him. And when they did, they're opposing him and they're opposing his message, right? And they're blaspheming. They may say, I don't want to listen to your messages anymore. (laughs) So they're opposing him. And what did he do? He shook his raiment as an expressive act of shaking off the guilt of their condemnation and of the condemnation on God's message, and he shook his raiment to show that he was resolved henceforth to have nothing more to do with them. Is that mercy? No, this is is the apostle standing on behalf of the message God had given him. And then he says, your blood, the guilt of your destruction is your own. You only are the cause of destruction that is coming upon you. For I am clean. I am not to blame for your destruction. I have done my duty and the gospel has been fairly offered. The message I have spoken over you and you have deliberately rejected it. And Paul was not to blame for their ruin, which he saw was coming upon them. And he said, I will go. I will carry on the saintly mission. I will go where God leads me, and I will speak it, and they will receive it. We have to. It's hard. It's hard. When there's rejection, we want to react. But this is our stance. If we're an apostolic ministry, we've got to stand on behalf of the commission and the calling and the message that God has given to us. And we've got to, this is another part of seeing him because we've got to know this is what he's telling us. But this is what the Apostle Paul did. 
And so I know that there's varying circumstances, and I know that God is in all of them. But I know that we have to make sure that we have the same resolve to know who we are and what God has given us. And we have to stand in that. And when we are rejected, when that message is rejected, we don't take it personally. Right? We shake the dust off our feet and we go to the next place that he sends us. We go to the Gentiles. Amen? Amen. Okay. So we're going to segue just a bit to the antithesis of, of Catharos. And this is something that we've studied many, many times, but nonetheless something that needs to be addressed because it's just part of this whole understanding. Um, and it is the word used for unclean spirit. Now, unclean spirits are something that desc it describes something which has become impure or non-functional. And I pulled this from Pastor's book. Inherent to the understanding is the idea of unstopping or removing the presence of something which has restricted meaningful flow or a wholesome measure of conduct. Our English word catheter is derived from this term. And a catheter is used by physicians to bypass or eliminate whatever constriction might be prohibiting that flow, something um, necessary to bring a measure of relief and a measure of full flow. And so we've talked about this. These unclean spirits, they take advantage of our iniquities. And they're always looking for a place where they can target us so that we will be restricted, be distracted, and become to partner with their evil ways. We have to be on guard for this. You know, we, we have a, a precious couple in France that just by the, by the direction of the Lord moved to another region in France. And um, <laughs> they're very gifted and they're very committed. And we love them very much. And the Lord has been opening doors for them to become in fellowship with some other saints there in that area. And we can see that blossoming, and it's wonderful. You know, we can see God's hand in it. It's really wonderful. But um, recently they shared some of the things that they've been contending with since they've moved and and you know some visions and some dreams and things like that and yesterday i had to read through those again for for a reason of counsel and i read through those two pages and i saw the absolute promise and and the incredible things god is doing and laying through all of it through all of the insights that, that the lord the spirit has been giving them and the way the enemy has been attacking them is textbook unclean spirits <laughs> it is from their emotional they're feeling rejected all those things that the, that the unclean spirits will come to target to try to hinder that flow of what God's doing in that region what he wants to do and you know aren't you thankful for the revelation God has given us because when we speak over them, when we prophesy over them, there's a lot of other things, but when we prophesy over them, freedom can come. That's the power. God gave us authority over unclean spirits. It's one of the first things. It is the first thing that he gave to his disciples when he sent them out two by two. Is he gave them power and authority over unclean spirits and then to heal the sick and to do all those things, to preach the gospel. But he has given us the authority. And we just have to make sure that, first of all, we're seeing clearly, discerning clearly, and we're applying the power and authority for which God directs us to give. That's where the whole vision, the whole thing. We have to make sure because we need wisdom. You know, we need wisdom. And so at every significant beginning in the recording history of Jesus on earth, at every significant transitional point or beginning, and the ministry of Jesus when he was on the earth, the presence of unclean spirits were operative. That should tell us something when we're going into the new or when we're in transition or when we're, we see breakthrough. But if our conscience is pure and we're dedicated to his agape, then the enemy won't have any place to attack us with impure thoughts, with ungodly reactions, with jealousy, with competition, with confusion, with all those things that really are indicative and are, you know, indicative of that iniquity that still resides within us and that can still respond and react. 
we have to respond in humility and just submit to the spirit of the Lord. So unclean spirits are sent to block or hinder something or someone for demonstrating their divinely ordained purpose. And the, the, the awful thing about them, well, there's a lot of awful things about them, is that they work in secrecy. Seemingly innocent, often disguised in ways that would never feel or need to oppose. These fallen angels have been deprived of essential capacities in the spirit, so therefore will attempt to gain this missing facet through possession of a living being or a spiritually invested location. The root cause of uncleanness was rebellion and specifically a betrayal of the proper order of authority or of the orderly way things should function. Unclean spirits were created to assist the advent. In the, originally, they were created to assist the advent of the new things that God was doing in miraculous ways. So that was the original purpose of the, these, these fallen angels. But we find through study of the New Testament, unclean spirits were present to attempt to hinder this type of blessing in the saints, our supply, our, our flow. So therefore, we need to be aware of their attempts to corrupt this flow, this supply of the Spirit of God as we come to the new horizon of dominion and promotion. But we really do need wisdom um, and discretion. And I, 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 I quoted about Jesus giving his disciples the authority, which carries down through us. So we have authority over these, these spirits. But then I want to reference this passage in Matthew <laughs> because his disciples, I mean, they were moving and shaking with him, right? And he had been teaching them for days and days. And they had been with him, and, and they were learning from him. They were his disciples. And, and we find in this passage in Matthew 17, and I'm not going to read it, but if you remember, Jesus had just been on the mountain with, and, and was just, just had this incredible transfiguration. And, and he was there with Moses and Elijah, and he had been communing with the Father. The voice of the Father was speaking audible words over the power of sonship and over Jesus and over these men. And they were all being transformed into something new according to what God was going to do on the earth in that time frame. That's what was happening. Something new and transitional was happening in the life of Jesus. He comes down the mountain, and what happens? His disciples were down there. There was a kid that had an unclean spirit. They couldn't cast it out. And so he comes down the mountain, and he's like, what the heck? He didn't say that, but I'm sure he thought that. Probably in more graphic terms. <laughs> no, not Jesus. So he comes down the mountain. This little boy is, is a mess. And an absolute distraction to what was going on in the whole heavenly scene of the transformation or the transfiguration, right? He comes down, this distraction is going on, and his disciples could not cast it out. So he berated them for their iniquity. And iniquity was responsible here because they didn't immediately take authority over the demonic influence because they truly I mean what happened was they fearfully and emotionally gave into the rejection of the crowd that is the effect of an unclean spirit and so Jesus displayed a strong measure of irritation I'm not going to say he was angry because they had not <laughs> applied what he had taught them or empowered them to do I don't ever want to be that one do you? And what does he say? He says, fasting and prayer. This come, come out only by fasting and prayer. Fasting causes us to be more sensitive to the spirit. It addresses the iniquities in our life in ways nothing else does. And prayer is our communion with him that helps us to see him and to hear his voice. And so it wasn't aimed at giving them 
more power or more faith or more authority, but it was geared towards helping them overcome their own sense of iniquity in order so that they could apply the authority that God had given to them. You see? You know, there's moments where we don't necessarily need to ask for more faith. But what we need to do is look to what he's given us already. (laughs) And to make sure that we're applying it and asserting it wisely. Because he's given us the authority. It says right there. When he had called unto them his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out, to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And then in Luke, and he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So he's given this authority to us. He's he's giving us everything that we need not to fall prey and to allow these unclean spirits to hinder the flow for which God is pouring in and through us. When the spirit begins to move, iniquity surface. It's just what it is. It's just the way it is. How many times have we talked about the failure of successful ministries? Thus, we need to be in this continuous cycle of surrendering to the purifying and the pruning. Because there will always be opposition to the new things of God. There will always be voices. There will always be things that make us want to rise up in the willfulness of our own human heart. And this is just what I feel like God has just really been pruning and purifying, just at least within me. Because I'm telling you, something great is on the horizon for us. We're being given the nations. There's new conquests for the kingdom of God. So, of course, opposition is going to come. Remember in Matthew 12, Jesus talked about the unclean spirit that's expelled from one place but will eventually return to the location from which it was evicted. So we have to keep it clean and garnished. So we have to stay in that process. But I'm telling you, he's been pressing deep for us and us as a body in the heart of this place, in the heart of this ministry, and in the heart of every one of us with those shears and really requiring us to surrender to that sprinkling of the blood and the washing of the water. And I'll end with Hebrews 12. I'm sorry, Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart of full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We have to be there before the Lord. Our conscience is our thought process. And it's truly what regulates what we deem to be acceptable and proper. And it's what causes us or causes us to be inclined to resist the things that God wants to do. It can be for any number of things, but it can happen. And in conjunction with this, we're to wash our body with that catharos water. And that's a reference to, um, remember when Jesus washed the feet of his disciples? and said, you are all clean, that was symbolic of them going forward in the mission for which God had given to them. And so as we allow the sprinkling on our thought process that regulates what we think and cleanses us appropriately from that evil which inclines us to resist the new thing that God is doing, our feet are washed for the going forward so that we're unhindered and that we're committed to walk in the supply of power which he gives to us. He gives us everything we need. He empowers us. He provides everything we need. We just have to surrender. And we have to be willing. And and (coughs) I wish that I had time to go into the next two passages, but I'll revisit those at at another time. I just have felt so strongly about us as a people that we don't fail. And we're not going to. But this is such a re- uh, this is a, a prophetic revisiting of something that God has taught us over and over again over the years. But if we truly are embarking on, on a new season, on new things, on new horizons, we have to know it is scriptural. It is a principle that we have to remember that it is a continual process. 
and I love it. I love it. I mean, I, I love the pain because he's in it. And I love, I love the, the, the sense within, deep within me of knowing that we are overcoming. When you overcome, you gain authority. And we have been a people of, we have been overcomers. And we will continue to, to overcome whatever comes against us and walk in the authority for which he has given to us and see his power flow in and through us in ways that will change nations. And, and that's what he's given to us. Amen? So, yes, sir. You know, I think this is a real, it's truly a word in season. I go back to the, the first phrase in that John 15 where it says, I am the true vine. And of course, we, we recognize the true there means something that is not hidden anymore. Alethanos, not hidden anymore. And so the vine of the Lord is going to go into places that have been hidden, places that have not been seen, places that we have not been able to, you know, project. It's, it's a continual discovery, and it's based on the Father's will because... The Lord is that vine that's searching these new things out. We're with Him, and the Father is the one who's over all of it. And I think so often we, we as a church, want to have a um, a decorative vine, you know, something that is growing on a trellis outside, and we put miracle grow on it, or do whatever we need to do. And oh, look at these flowers! Oh, how pretty that is! But God's vine goes into places that is a continual measure of discovery and um, things that maybe we've not known before, you know, places we've not gone before, places that we haven't had the opportunity to make look pretty or to convince others how great it is. And um, I think that being the opener of that phrase, it kind of, of that, of that passage, it kind of sheds a light on the rest of it. If, if that pathway is going into the unknown, revealed by God, then any branch that decides, I don't want to do that anymore. You know, I, I want to be decorative, right? Look at this over here. It, ooh, man, that looks great. But that's not, that's not where the Father is directing, and that's not what Jesus is discovering. And so whenever we, we always talk here about the way God's moved with the saints and the doors, the nations that he opens, and we'll say something like, I don't know how this happened. I don't know how we even got contacts in these countries or in these cities. Well, it's because they were hidden by God. And he prepared them. And the Father said, I want you walking with Jesus to discover these hidden places, which again is why the Lord said He would build His church, His ecclesia, and the hidden gates, the, ha the gates of Hades, would not be able to prevail. So I think there's something too, not only in an unclean influence, but there are, there are influences in conjunction with that that want to try to hinder the discovery. They want those gates to remain hidden. But the Father wants to lead in so it's not hidden anymore. It's very interesting, but we really are there. And so you can see that how, how could a branch that's in Jesus need to be lopped off? That's what he says. How, how could, and it doesn't say in this passage, thrown into the fire, maybe God replants it so it stays alive because he loves it so much. But it's because it's not bearing fruit. In other words, it's not making the discoveries that the Father has ordained to make. It's chosen to go off so that it's seen more. Boy, I had to break away from this so I can really have my moment in the sun. And the Lord takes that off. And I think one of the main things that He purges in us is the places of our dependence on those branches that were lopped off. That's one of the things. 
So anyway, I just I think this is a real word in season. I thank you for bringing it. I just want to say this last thing. I just want to tell you how much you matter to this whole equation. Every person sitting in this room, every person listening, every person that has committed their lives to this walk together as one with him matters so significantly. And, and don't just be out there wavering and entertaining these things. Address them. And, and, and move forward, let his spirit cleanse. And that's not a word of rebuke in any way. That should be a word of exhortation and encouragement because sometimes we do feel that way, insignificant. And there's nobody in this fold that is insignificant. Every single one of us is so highly significant in the heart and plan of God. He brought you here. You're here for a purpose. And so I just bless you in that and love you very much. So... Thank you very much. Um, Father, bless this day. I just ask that your Holy Spirit would guide and lead us and teach us. I ask that you would fill this house to overflowing with your Holy Spirit. And every house is represented in this, in the saints. And um, let us be a blessing to you. Help us to minister to you. And um, we're here to partner. So show us the way. And we will be obedient to follow. Amen. Amen.